You are listening to the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, Eve Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine co-host, Woody, where we bring it to you raw, unfiltered, with no chaser. All right, Woody, let's get started in another episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Let's get right into it. Hey, I was thinking about this the other day, and it dawned on me. Do you realize that the blueprint is right there in front of, it's been told to us and it's been told to us from a pretty impeccable source of exactly what the plan is for the Biden administration and the Biden campaign. I mean, this is how we, how did we miss this? How did we not see this happening right before eyes? I'll tell you how we didn't see it happening right before our eyes, but first let's talk about what's happening right before our eyes. Remember this? We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. So how many of you, when you heard that, when he first said it, just, ah, that's just old Joe, sleepy Joe, she's sliding off the cracker Joe, just, you know, making a mistake, flubbing again, because that's all he does is he flubs, he flubs, he flubs. But then we see what has gone on in this election. And we like, we're starting to go, wait a minute. Was he telling the truth there? Was, was what he said, uh, the, the real plan was, was Joe Biden being honest. Now, Joe Biden probably doesn't even know he was being honest because he probably doesn't even know what the hell he was saying, but he said it out loud, probably what he was thinking, because that's not all he has said. He also said this. Folks, we got a lot of work to do. I don't really need you to get me elected. I need you once I'm elected. So let me get this right. Joe has told us that he's putting together the largest uh voter fraud in history right he's got the largest voter fraud organization ever i don't need you to help me get elected i need you once i am elected are those words not prophetic now i mean look at back and we we first heard him say those words we thought that's just old sleepy joe again she's sliding off the cracker joe but is joe telling us What's really going on? Is he, are we seeing exactly what the plan is? Because Joe Biden's cognitive abilities have declined so much that when he gets up and speaks, he says what's on his mind freely without thinking. And you know, his campaign had to be going, oh crap. He's letting the, he's letting the cat out of the bag. He's telling them, he's telling everybody the truth. And then he also said this. But all kidding aside, the first lady to be told me she holds them for you. Yes, she does. But not with she's because she, she and yeah, Kamala have become friends. Yeah. But all kidding aside, it's it's a matter of the thing. We are simpatico on our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have and when we disagree, it'll be just like so far. It's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C or D. And I'll say, I don't I like A, don't like B and C. Mm-hmm. And it's OK. But and I like I told Barack, if 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 I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll uh, I'll, 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 I'll I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. 
Um, we, we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't. And we discussed at length mm-hmm. our views on foreign policy, on domestic policy, on intelligence. And the great thing is she has a background in the Senate on intelligence, the Intelligence Committee. She has a background in the Senate on a whole range of things that are going to be pertinent to what we have to do. But it's going to be, I think so much is going to be incoming, Jake. Yeah. It's a matter about... Who, who, who takes what when? Yeah. Uh, I don't need to tell you, uh, Mr. President-elect, that the NAACP... So, <laughs> I know, I know, you can't make this stuff up. So, let's, let's recap of what Joe has told us is going to happen. He told us that he's put together the largest uh, election fraud apparatus in history. Uh, he told us that he doesn't need us to help him get elected. He needs us once he is elected and he told us that if him and kamala come to a point where they disagree he's just going to get some kind of disease and resign i mean i mean that's what he's telling us i mean why should we not take what joe biden tells us at face value because right now it's starting to emerge as the truth so I, I, I was thinking about this today, and I wanted to share because now we have three, and I'm sure there's some more. I'm going to start looking for some more. Where he's basically laid out the blueprint. So watch what Joe says because he's telling you. He is telling you what exactly is going to happen. So we know now that he put together a large fraud organization. I mean, it looks like it's paying off. I'm sorry. I'm taking Joe at face value, ladies and gentlemen. I am taking him at face value. Joe Biden told us you, me, the rest of the world that they put together the largest uh, organization of fraud, fraud, election of fraud, however you worded it. He just, he told us that they put together the largest fraud apparatus ever in the history of elections, right? And he told us that he doesn't need us to help him get elected. He needs us once he's elected. We're seeing that now. And then he's told us that once him and Kamala disagree on something, he's going to come out with a disease and resign. I guarantee you that is going to come true. I guarantee you. I don't have proof other than what Joe tells me because Joe, Joe's telling me this. I mean, I'm not making this up. Joe is telling me this. I'm ready to take Joe Biden at face value. So he's told us all of these things already. So watch what Joe tells you because he's letting the cat out of the bag because honestly, that disease he's going to come down with is already impacting his ability to keep his mouth shut. So Joe Biden, let's take Joe Biden at face value moving forward as an honest broker because he's laying it out, ladies and gentlemen. He's laying it out exactly what is going on and what's going to happen. I believe, by the way, that if Trump cannot pull this off and retain his presidency, uh, you know, I'm not even sure Joe's going to make it a year. I know, I, I don't believe he'll make it to the midterms. They want him to make it to the midterms because you think about the strategy of it all is they need, you look at the midterm elections, what, does, what do the Democrats need? Well, they need to strengthen the House again and they need to prevent losing. They're down to like 10 seats, right? I think they have a 10 seat majority. That could be off by one or two, but they've got a very slim majority in the House. And if they lose that majority in the House, 
uh, then all bets are off, man. They just, I mean, they will not be able to enact the plans they want to enact. And if you look at the Senate race, I'd, I mean, Purdue's running a horrible campaign here in Georgia. I'm sorry. If you're on the Purdue campaign, reach out to me. My email is dpblpodcast.com because I can share with you what you did to me and how I'm disenfranchised by your campaign. Have you done that with many other people? And to recap, for those of you who didn't hear, is I reached out, actually I reached out to the Luffler campaign and I was contacted by the Purdue campaign because I wanted to help. And um, I was contacted by some guy. I don't know if his name is Sam, Sam, whoever. I couldn't understand what he said in the voicemail he left me. So when I called him, he said hello. And I said, hey, just want to make sure I get your name right. Is it Sam, Sam? And the guy hung up. Just hung up. Didn't, didn't say anything. It was just hung up. Hey, I get it. You know, he probably gets a lot of spam calls and crap like that. And then I called back, explained in a voicemail the confusion. Never heard from him again. And then Purdue doesn't go to the debate against Ossoff. And we saw what a disaster that was. I don't believe he's going to win. I'm sorry. I'm going to vote for him. Don't get me wrong. I'm voting for you, David Perdue. If you're listening, if anybody in the campaign is listening, I'm voting for David Perdue because I don't want the Democrats to get the Senate. Uh, but I, the guy's running such a horrible campaign. Uh, it's such a, um, I mean, from the top down is how culture is in any organization. And from the top down, if this is your culture, David, you got a problem and you're going to lose to John Ossoff. An empty suit who will rubber stamp, by the way, the left. He'll just rubber stamp. Ossoff is a rubber stamp. Now, Warnock, he's, he's scary. He's a, he's a radical leftist, and I think Loeffler has a better chance of beating Warnock than Purdue has a better chance of being Ossoff. But that, I digress. So if the Democrats get control of the Senate in 2022, what they're going to want is they're going to want to strengthen that because – both, if they get control of both houses of Congress right now, they have, the, they have the House of Representatives. If they get control of the Senate, it's going to be by a slim majority. It's a slim majority in both houses if they can pull it off and get control. So in 2022, it's so vital to the Democrats that they retain the control of the House, both houses of Congress. So they'll probably keep Joe stumbling along up until the midterm elections. And I guarantee you, after, if he makes it that long, after the midterm elections, he'll be gone. He'll come down with the disease. It'll be health related. We know it. I mean, come on. He's already told us. He's already told us the plan. We got the plan. All he's got to do is have one disagreement with Kamala Harris and I'm going to come down with the disease and resign. And that disagreement could be something about a bowel movement, I'm sure. It could be something simple. But, I mean, this coming from a man who chases dogs around his house naked and falls and hurts his foot. So we're told. So we're told. So believe what Joe tells you. By the way, yeah, if I believe what Joe told me, that means... Yeah, he was running around his house naked, chasing his dog. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just had, you know, I, it just came to me. I'm like, holy crap, Joe has been telling us all along what the plan is. We might as well believe it and listen to him. So let's move on. Some other things. There's been a lot of stuff in the news that's happened with the election, by the way. Uh, so let's, let's talk about that and let's uh, kind of do some quick hits on all this stuff. This from the Washington Times. Arizona Supreme Court agrees to uh, weigh election challenge. So the Arizona Supreme Court is going to hear the Trump campaign's challenge. So we'll see where it goes. We've seen the Supreme Court and other states hear this as well and knock it out. Now, that is actually a good thing in regards of getting to the Supreme Court of the United States because we've got to go through the lower courts to get to the Supreme Court. Now, speaking of the Supreme Court, this from Breitbart, Kobach, Texas case challenges election directly at 
Supreme Court. So on Monday, just before midnight, the state of Texas filed a lawsuit, and that's Monday, December 7th, by the way, uh, that is far more important than all of the others surrounding the presidential election of November 3rd. So let me read a little bit from this story. And we see what's going on here. I told you this week is going to be the week. This is the fireworks week. If anything's going to happen, it's got to happen this week. Monday, uh, December 14th, the Electoral College meets to vote. If they meet and they vote and they and Biden gets 270, that's it. I mean, the only way to reverse it at that point, uh, and it's really is through impeachment, because once he is president-elect officially, because he's not right now, then uh, all bets are off. I mean, it's a whole different ball game to remove Biden from the presidency and Harris from the, the uh, possibility of becoming the president and all that stuff. Once the Electoral College meets and votes per the Constitution, law of the land, even if the election is fraudulent, after that fact. So the idea is you got to either prevent the Electoral College from meeting or prevent one, Biden getting 270, either Trump gets 270 or neither gets 270, and then it goes to the House. I'll tell you what I want to happen only for my own personal benefit. I shouldn't say benefit. I should say entertainment. I would love to see this go to the house i would absolutely love this this ladies and gentlemen would be history right before our eyes that we would witness the process play out as this is written in the constitution oh so hundreds of years ago right i mean this would be an amazing thing to be a part of to be alive when our one of our presidential elections it hasn't happened since the late 1800s goes to the house for a vote i mean I'm sorry. I know it's selfish. It is my whiffum. What's in it for me? The entertainment and the absolute fascination of watching our constitutional process play out. I, I it just wouldn't. It just couldn't ask for a better thing. But back to this article. Uh, Texas brought a suit against four states that did something they cannot do. Uh, they violated the U.S. Constitution in their conduct of the presidential election. And this violation occurred regardless of the amount of election fraud that may have resulted. The four uh, defendant states are Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. I'll read the next paragraph and then we'll move on from this, but this will be in my show notes and I highly encourage you to go read this. This is going to be a big topic of news this week. It's bursting now, I'm sure, with the media. They can't, I mean, this is Texas filing a case directly to the Supreme Court. Now we'll see if the Supreme Court takes it. That's going to be the next challenge. But the second paragraph, Texas filed the suit directly in the Supreme Court. Article three of the Constitution lists the small number of categories of cases in which the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction, quote unquote. One of those categories concerns controversies between two or more states. Texas suit is exactly that. The Supreme Court has opined in the past that it may decline to accept such cases as at its discretion. But it is incumbent upon the high court to take this case, especially when it presents is such a cut and dried question of constitutional law and what it could indirectly decide who is sworn in as president on January 20th, 2021. And by the way, that is, as we've learned, that's the hard date in the constitution is 2021. Okay. So here's the good news. The good news is, as I mentioned before, the Supreme court justices are divvied up by districts of who gets what state. And that Supreme Court justice that has that particular state, it, uh, it, 
it's a district or circuit, I think is what they call it. It has that particular circuit or circuit assignments. Uh, who's the one that will decide whether or not this case goes to the Supreme Court or not? Well, it just so happens that Sam Alito has the circuit that covers Texas. That is good news for not only the Trump campaign, but for those of us that feel there has been some election fraud. So in a nutshell, what Texas has done is gone directly to the Supreme Court saying, hey, according to the Constitution of the United States, this impacts us as well. So we're filing suit against these three, these four states because they didn't follow their own processes in, uh, in place for the election. Now, there's a lot more detail in here. I'm not going to get into it. I want to wait and see Will the Supreme Court even take this case? So this is this is a monumental, I mean, out of the blue, right? We didn't even see that this was brewing. Uh, here it is, the state of Texas is saying, hold on, wait up. You know, we're a part of the union. We have a say. So we want to argue that uh, there's been some election fraud in these four states. Now, again, from the article, a couple of more things I will read from the article. So the Texas suit is clear, and it presents a compelling case. The four offending states each violated the U.S. Constitution in two ways. Uh, First, they violated the electors clause of Article 2 of the Constitution when executive, executive or judicial officials Uh, in the states changed the rules of the elections without going through the state legislatures. Uh, The electors clause requires that each state shall appoint its presidential electors in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct. So to answer, to talk about that just a minute is this is the, this is very important. Now, one thing I saw somebody ask, wait a minute, you'd have to do this across the country, everyone, every vote would have to be equal across the country. No, every vote has to be equal within each state because each state sets its own rules. That's per the Constitution of the United States. So what they're arguing is, is let's say Pennsylvania, if half of the state use this set of rules and the other half use this set of the rules, that is not constitutional. That's their first argument. So uh, the second argument is the second constitutional violation occurred when individual counties in each of the four states changed the way that they would receive, evaluate, or treat the ballots. 20 years ago, in the landmark case of Bush v. Gore, the Supreme Court held that it violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment when one Florida county treated ballots one way and another Florida county treated ballots a different way. Voters had the constitutional right to have their ballots treated equally from county to county. This goes to what Giuliani was saying is the equal vote clause. So this is going to be interesting to watch play out. One is first, well, first thing that has to happen is Sam Alito has to accept the case. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not a jurist. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, you know, I didn't even sleep at a Holiday Inn last night. Uh, but I do know that he can reject it and he can accept it. And he can reject it by saying it's got to go through the lower courts first. We've seen that in the state of Georgia, which I'll get into just a second here. But this will be fascinating to watch and see what plays out. So go Texas. I mean, who saw that coming? I know I didn't. Now, let's go on. I mentioned. Um, a Georgia case. Sidney Powell filed uh, cases in Georgia and she filed a case in Michigan. Both were rejected by their respective courts in each state. So now what this does for Sidney Powell, well, it opens it up for Sidney Powell to take this to the Supreme Court. Uh, this is from Citizen Free Press, which I highly recommend you, by, by the way. Citizen Free Press uh, is kind of taken or 
uh, filling that vacuum that the Drudge Report left when they went far left wing, and they have, and the Citizen Free Press even looks somewhat like the Drudge Report. So kudos to those guys over there at Citizen Free Press and what they're doing because they're bringing out a lot of stories you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Uh, This from the Citizen Free Press. Sidney Powell, uh, we should have at least three states before the Supreme Court by the end of the week. So Sidney discussed uh, next steps after a just dismissed. Uh, the Kraken case earlier today, that was yesterday, Monday, uh, there should be at least three states before the Supreme Court with enough electoral votes to change the outcome before the end of the week. So we've got Texas filing suit. We've got Sidney Powell's going to take her cases to the Supreme Court. Um, now it's just up to the Supreme Court to take them. Now let's take Sidney Powell's cases. She got the one here in Georgia that she filed. Now it was rejected. Next step is Supreme Court. Uh, Thomas Clarence Thomas is the jurist that will decide whether or not this case will be selected as Supreme Court for the state of Georgia. Now, if you know the history, Clarence Thomas was uh, grilled pretty hard by, wait for it, uh, Joe Biden during his confirmation hearing. And then in Michigan, I believe it's Brett Kavanaugh who has Michigan. And uh, Kamala Harris was pretty nasty to Brett Kavanaugh uh, in his Supreme Court hearing nomination process. So you got these two, and I'm not, these gentlemen seem to be upstanding individuals that don't hold grudges, but you know that's got to weigh a little bit in their mindset. So Kavanaugh will be the one to decide whether or not the Michigan case gets in front of the Supreme Court. We got a lot going on. We got Texas now taking it directly to Supreme Court. We got Powell's going to take her cases directly to Supreme Court. This is some fascinating stuff. And then we got this also from the Citizen Free Press. uh, The the headline is an unexpected twist from Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz says that if SCOTUS grants certification in Pennsylvania election case, meaning they they take the Pennsylvania case, uh, he has told the petitioners he will stand ready to present the oral argument. So Ted Cruz has um, made overtures that he will present the oral argument for the Pennsylvania case in front of the Supreme Court. So we have potentially right now in front of the Supreme Court a case from Michigan, a case from Pennsylvania, a case from Georgia, and the Texas lawsuit, which covers all four battleground states of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia. This is fascinating stuff. Now, where it all, where it all plan out, at, hey, this is what we're going to watch and see what happens. But I told you, this is the week. This is the week. And I got to tell you, I'm glad that we're seeing this because the, the Supreme Court is the next step. The, the Electoral College meets on Monday. Something's got to happen. Something big has got to happen. Or, and if it doesn't, well, it's all over. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but that's just the fact of the matter it is. But we've got a lot going on. President Trump said, just wait. Just wait. And the one thing that it's very easy to do is just toss in the towel because all of this is hard. It's not easy. There's no doubt. But life isn't meant to be easy. Sometimes hard challenges are what has to happen in order for the right thing to happen. And in this case, I'm sorry, this election is wrought with voter irregularities and it needs to go all the way to the Supreme Court so we can rest assured. If the Supreme Court comes back and says, hey, done, then all right. There you go. We've pushed it all the way to the Supreme Court where it had to go anyway. And here's why it had to go to the Supreme Court. Why did Bush v. Gore have to go to the Supreme Court? I mean, think about that. Bush v. Gore could have been handled at the state level, right? 
Wrong. It couldn't have because here's what would have happened. If Bush, this is what did happen. Bush v. Gore did go through the lower courts and it was appealed and appealed. And the final appeal is the Supreme Court. So both sides are going to appeal. You think one side's going to go, okay, let's say all the lower courts went in Trump's favor. And do you think the Biden camp would just sit there and go, oh, it looks like they got it? No, they take it to the Supreme Court. All of this had to go to the Supreme Court. My concern is it wasn't moving fast enough to the Supreme Court. But now, this week, it looks like we're all, we're, this is where the positioning is. So if it doesn't happen, by the way, this week, I'm, I, again, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I think it's all over. If the Electoral College meets and Biden gets 270 votes, that's it. There'll be other things that happen. What Sidney Powell's doing, by the way, is bigger than the election, in my opinion. Uh, in the opinion of others that I've um, interacted with as well, I think what Sidney Powell is doing is monumental in uncovering this fraud, this massive amount of voter fraud that I do exist. I do believe exists. I know a lot of people don't. I know a lot of never Trumpers. I know a lot of people on the right even. They don't want to touch this because it's difficult. It's too hard. And because it's so hard, it's just difficult. But I'm sorry. With the amount of voter irregularities that we have seen and the amount of bad actors that we have seen. And again, I've mentioned this early on. This is an election of a thousand cuts. It may not be one big multiple, one big umbrella conspiracy, one big umbrella group doing it, but we know there has been irregularities. And they and could it be the hatred of this president drove so many citizens of this country? to voter fraud because they wanted to do their part in getting rid of this president? It could be. It may not be some massive organization that control all this. It could be at each individual level were just citizens that thought they were doing the right thing because they think because of the media and the left paint Trump as evil that they had to get him out of office any way they can. I don't know. Death of a thousand cuts, right? Election of fraud of a thousand election frauds. I don't know, but I do know from what I've seen, there's a lot of irregularities and it needs to be played out. So there looks like we're going to see it at the Supreme Court. Now, if the justices say uh, these cases don't merit uh, being heard in front of the Supreme Court, again, that means it's all over. It went to the final frontier, if you will, uh, and uh, it'll be done. Now, with that said, if that happens, by the way, you're still going to have 74, 75 million disenfranchised voters, people across the country, myself included, where, you know, I'm sorry, this just wasn't on the up and up. I mean, here is another perfect example of the irregularities in this election. Just the News reported. A uh, company that audited Dominion machines in Georgia has for years overseen testing, testing of its voter software. So in other words, the company that audited Dominion is the company that's friendly with Dominion. The technology company that last month performed an audit on Dominion voting system machines in Georgia has for several years overseen testing of Dominion's software, federal records indicate. Okay, so if they've overseen the testing of the software, are they going to really come back and say, well, <laughs> we messed up when we tested it. We missed it. They were adding in these algorithms and stuff. So it's the Fox guarding the hen house is the analogy total sham total sham uh and and, and again <laughs> i you know raspenberger our secretary of state has 
you know, maybe a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know Brad Raffsberger. I mean, I voted for him, um, but uh, he's had a lot of missteps here, and this is not going to be forgotten in 2022. I mean, he's going to have to do a lot to uh, repent from these missteps, if you will. Uh, but you know, he should have brought in an outside auditor. I mean, he should have seen this. Uh, but then again, uh, he's a Secretary of State of uh, a pretty large state. You know, we have 10 million people in the state of Georgia. Uh, he should have maybe done a little more due diligence on Dominion and rejected them outright. Foreign con- company based, uh, you know, headquartered world headquarters out of. Toronto, yeah, there are ties to Smartmatic through their purchase of Sequoia. Uh, you got this frothing at the mouth leftist lunatic uh, Dr. Uh, Coomer who works for them, who claimed, you know, allegedly claimed on an Antifa conference call that he's effing sure, made effing sure Trump won't win. Yeah, they should have did a little more due diligence on Dominion because these ties, by the way, there's news story after news story in the last number of years of what ha- how Dominion is uh, maybe a compromised entity. And they're the ones that are um, counting our votes. So uh, I don't know. Now, uh, moving on, uh, we'll do some quick hits here. Uh, Gingrich had a great one-liner I wanted to share with you. This is hilarious. This is from PJ Media. Uh, Tyler O'Neill reported this December 7, 2020. Gingrich, Republicans have to turn out more votes than Stacey Abrams can steal. Oh, that's that's rich. That's classic. And you know, there's a lot of truth to that because Republicans always have to turn out more votes than the Democrats can steal. It's been like that for years. They just taken it to a whole nother level, allegedly based on some of the voter irregularities that we received. But what a great line. And, and if you're not familiar in Georgia, Stacey Abrams is the failed gubernatorial candidate against Brian Kemp. Uh, and Stacey Abrams, to this date, from what I understand, still not has still not conceded the election. I mean, she kept going and running around saying she's the rightful elected uh, governor uh, when she wasn't. Uh, but she uh, actually ran, I was talking to one of the local state legislatures here in Georgia, she ran a pretty effective get-out-the-vote campaign. I mean, and she's been using that apparatus here in the election, too. But there, there's been some um, issues, but I won't get into those, uh, where she, there's, she's under investigation for bringing in outside voters. There was a story a couple of days ago, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to go over it. But anyway, Stacey Abrams has been a force to be reckoned with here in the state of Georgia in getting out the vote for the left. Now, my worry about this is, um, Gingrich tongue-in-cheek, comment aside because it's really funny is in 2022 Kemp our current governor is up for re-election and he's been taking a beating on this election he recently the video has been released where he's in front of a Chinese flag talking about uh, a Chinese business here in Georgia and I get it you know all states want to drive business to their state our our ports uh, in Savannah Georgia do a tremendous amount of um uh, import export and we're one of the largest in the countries in fact it looks like from a report i saw earlier georgia's like number two in the amount of chinese money being spent to bring in export exports uh, through the port in savannah georgia and kemp has been actively trying to get that business here and that's what every governor should be doing is actively bringing businesses to your state and that's what kemp was doing so i'm not going to fault him for that should we fault him for going after the chinese money Maybe. 
you know, but you can't deny that China is a global player in the world of business. I mean, we have a lot of companies that do business in the country of China, they have manufacturing in the country of China. It is what it is. That product is going to come into this country regardless. So I'm not going to fault Governor Kemp for wooing the Chinese to bring them through the ports in Savannah. I'm, 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 you know, but he's getting a lot of flack for that. So come 2022, when he's up for re-election, is Stacey Abrams going to step up again? That's probably what's going to happen. We're going to see a repeat of Abrams and Kemp. Now, the, this election is tainted. And the Democrats tried to taint Kemp's election in 2018, by the way. They tried to taint it not with uh, voter fraud. They tried to taint it with voter suppression. They used voter suppression as Kemp was trying to suppress the minority vote. Well, he wasn't. We had a record turnout and vote, by the way, in the state of Georgia for the 2018 election. So this is not boding well for Kemp. So Kemp, he's in a precarious situation. He doesn't know which way to turn. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he keeps stepping on the rake and it keeps smacking him right in the face. When, for example, when he uh, called for an audit, a signature audit, you know, no, he shouldn't have called for it. He should have demanded. It. He should have been more forceful. Same thing would have happened, by the way. The same rules apply, and I get it. That's what I know there's a lot of pundits that are saying, wait a minute, what people don't understand is there are laws, there are processes, there are rules that the governor can't call for an audit. You're right, he can't. The governor can't call for a signature audit. He can't, but he can demand it. He can get on the bully pulpit, and he could demand it because what he didn't do, Kemp is a pretty low-key guy. This is going to hurt him. This is going to hurt him in 2022. And I guarantee you, at this point, all eyes look, all, all fingers point to Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp doing a rematch in 2022. He won by 50,000 votes in 2018. Can he pull it out in 2022? I mean, two years is a long time in politics. We'll see. But anyway, I thought that was just a great quip from Ken, um, Gingrich. Turn out, turn out, the Republicans have to turn out more votes than Stacey Abrams can steal. Just just rich so anyway moving on to some more news we got some quick takes here pelosi this is from just the news pelosi admits that first black congressman was republican when announcing exhibit honoring him uh so uh, this special ex exhibition will help finally share the story of congressman rainey which has fought for too long and for too many gone untold pelosi said when announcing the exhibit honoring former rep rainey House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Majority Whip James Clyburn omitted that the first African-American to serve in the House of Representatives was a Republican when the Democratic leaders announced the opening of a new exhibit displayed in his honor. So that's right. The man was a Republican. And uh, by the way, if you do the history of him, it's fascinating history. Joseph Rainey is his name. He didn't really, really want to do this, but he was asked to do this to be to to run for the election i think it was kentucky if i'm not if my history's uh no south carolina south carolina and he was the first black to serve in the u.s house of representatives and by the way the first black to serve in the senate was also a republican the first number of blacks by the way in back in the 1800s were all republicans that went to the house of representatives and the senate but the left doesn't want you to know that so convene Conveniently, 
Nancy Pelosi omits the fact that this exhibit that she was there honoring this man, which is great. He needs to be honored, by the way, uh, was a Republican. I wonder why they left that little tidbit of information out. Go figure. All right. Another quick hit. Also from Citizens, Citizen Free Press, Blockbuster Report, Chinese female spy developed extensive ties to Eric Swalwell. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Eric Swalwell, you know, the guy who actually also is accused of passing gas on TV. You know, they want to give Rudy Giuliani some hard time about that. Well, Eric Swalwell was doing an interview and uh, uh, looks like something let out. But this was posted by Kane on December 8th. 2020. So in this story, let's see, exclusive, a suspected Chinese spy developed extensive ties with local and national U.S. politicians in what officials believe was an operation run by China's main civilian spy agency from 2011 to 2015, Axios found in a year-long investigation. Uh, so Swalwell rose to prominence rapidly and in late 2012, became one of the youngest members of the U.S. House. In January 2015, Swalwell was assigned a seat on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence serving as the lead Democrat on the subcommittee on CIA oversight. The Chinese spy, her name was Fang. Uh, she, let's see, she began when he was a count. Let's see, the Fang's ties to Eric Swalwell began when he was a council member for Dublin City, California, mm -hmm. demonstrating, as they say here, China's long game. So details, Fang's earliest known engagement with Swalwell occurred through the Chinese Student Association. By 2014, she has risen in local political circles and developed close ties to Swalwell's office. Fang was a bundler for Swalwell. Mm, a bundler, you know what that is, right? That's people who raise money for the candidate. Let's see, she was Chinese... Oh, she's out of China. It's supposed to be illegal for foreign people to raise money. I don't know. We'll move on. And anyway, the hypocrisy of the left knows no bounds. So Fang was a bundler for Swalwell and other candidates, according to a Bay Area political operative, with direct knowledge of her efforts. A current U.S. intelligence official confirmed her activity for Swalwell. A local elected official also said she brought in donors for other candidates. Bundlers persuaded others to write checks for campaigns. They can bring in substantial sums of money as well as deepen a campaign's engagement with target communities, making bundlers a valuable and thus potentially influential ally to a candidate. Uh, let's see. Moving on here, Fang facilitated the potential assignments of interns into Swalwell's office. Uh, the political operative said in at least one case, an intern recommended by Fang was placed into Swalwell's D.C. office. Uh, this person said a current U.S. intelligence official confirmed the intern placement. So F Swalwell uh, looks like he was, you know, I mean... <laughs> Should I say it out loud? Oh my gosh, really? I mean, so this guy's got connections to a Chinese spy that infiltrated his campaign. Now, Swalwell's stupid. He may not even known. All he knew is the money was coming in, somebody was helping him get elected, and he just wrote it to prominence. So much so that his head got so big, the man thought he could run for president of the United States, which he did and failed spectacularly. Can you imagine if he didn't fail spectacularly? I mean, we already got Chinese connections to Biden. Swalwell had a spy amongst them. But hey, Dianne Feinstein, her driver of like 20 years turned out to be a spy for the Chinese. 
are you starting to see the picture that the Chinese may be doing something? There's a video that came out recently, and I'm not going to play it here because it's in Chinese, where this uh, Chinese professor gets up on stage, and I'll put it in my show notes, and basically lays out how they've got people up in the echelons, upper in, in the leadership positions in the U.S. government, and how under previous administrations, not Trump, how it was easier for them to maneuver and get the U.S. government to do what the Chinese government wanted to do. And then along came Trump. And all of that changed for them. Trump would, would not tow the line, the Chinese line. So this guy admitted, and it's since been taken down in Chinese social media, by the way, admitted, he admitted that the Chinese had people embedded within the U.S. government and they were helping grease the skids, so to speak, but helping the U.S. government do things that the Chinese government wanted. And now we got Biden. Biden. They, they love it. The Chinese love it. So I've been talking about the Chinese Communist Party for a while. So we see here Swalwell allegedly had a Chinese spy in his mix. Diane Feinstein had one in her mix. I mean, and then this guy gives this presentation this Chinese professor who says he's his contacts in the United States tell him all these things of what's going on and that now under Trump, they, all that's changed. So you start to see why the Chinese wanted Trump out and wanted Biden in. I mean, we've already got reports that Biden's son, Hunter, where is Hunter? Anybody see him? Anybody see no? I mean, um, I haven't seen Hunter. Anybody seen Hunter? Anyway, that Hunter scored this $1.5 billion deal with the Chinese after flying to China with his dad on Air Force Two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not corruption when they do it. It's not hypocrisy when they do it. Again, going to the top of the show today, watch Biden. Listen to what he says. Take what he says at face value. He will let it slip. They're going to try to keep Biden away from the press, but he will let it slip. One last story. We'll end uh, this segment today. Uh, I saw this this morning. Uh, this is from andmagazine.com, and the headline is, Welcome to Crazy Town. Seattle introduces Bill to legalize crimes of poverty. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make that up. I didn't make that headline up. Seattle introduces Bill to legalize crimes of poverty. So let me read from the article and just tell you how crazy, how crazy the left has gone. How far off the deep, le the deep end the left has gone. Uh, once upon a time, Seattle was one of my favorite cities. And by the way, I used to live in Seattle. It is a lovely city. I haven't lived there in many decades, but it was a lovely city. This is from the article. Um, this guy waxes on a little bit, so um, I'll give him his due because he wrote very well. Situated as it is beside the, the beauty of Puget Sound with the cascades in one direction and the majesty of the Olympic peninsula and the other it is placed in one of the world's most beautiful locations the climate also is enviable never too cold never too hot perhaps a bit damp but nothing compared to the nearby rainforest wandering through pike place market was a magical experience then and it was i again i lived there as a kid i loved it beautiful city I used to go to pike place all the time my buddy and i my buddies and i we'd get on a bus because transportation was great and we'd go down to pike place just hang out just couple of kids, a bunch of kids just hanging out, no money, but we were able to get around. Wonderful city. Anyway, the article goes on, not anymore. Seattle has gone mad, lost to the inherently irrational progressive agenda that is raging across the United States. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is logical. It is as if the madness of Alice's Wonderland had come to life all around you. 
witness the ongoing consideration of a bill by the Seattle City Council, which will make it impossible for the city to prosecute crimes of poverty. If approved, the ordinance would excuse and dismiss effectively legalizing misdemeanor crimes committed by any offender who could show, and this is what you can show, if you can show this, you're going to get off this crime, who could show symptoms of drug addiction, addition, no medical diagnosis necessary. You just have to show symptoms of drug addiction. Hunter Biden, go to Seattle, get away with a lot. Symptoms of mental disorder and poverty that the crime was committed to meet an immediate and basic need. Now, I got a lot of people that listen to the show in Washington State. Uh, if you live in Seattle, an area, you need to go to your council meetings and you need to, you need to do whatever you can to put a stop to this. This is madness. Look at, I mean, you are rational. Now, most people who listen to the show are rational conservatives and they see the, the decline in the United States and are worried about it and want to do something. If you're watching this on YouTube, a lot of times, some of the times, not a lot of times, there's some leftists that get through and you probably think this is fine, but it's not. Here's what's going to happen. And I know it's going to happen because this is human nature. This is what's happened. It's happened time and time again. So uh, if you have a symptoms of a drug addiction and, or, and there's no medical diagnosis necessary, if it looks like you have some kind of drug addiction, whatever crime it is, gone. So you go in and you go into Macy's. Is it, is, uh, what is that department store up there? Not Von Mar, but uh, anyway, there used to be another, maybe it's gone by now. But anyway, it used to be a big department store when I lived up there. Just can't remember the name of it. But let's say Macy's. You go to Macy's and... On a counter is a bunch of jeans, designer jeans, whatever. You swap them on your arms and you run out the door, but you get caught. If you show symptoms of drug addiction, you get off. Uh, and if you show symptoms of mental disorder, mental disorder, you get off. Now, the favorite one here, the one that's going to cause them the most grief, is all the drug addicts are going to start shoplifting like crazy, by the way. They're just going to go crazy because they know they can get off. But this one, poverty that the crime was committed to meet an immediate and basic need. So you, if you're hungry and you don't have any money, you got to eat. It's a basic need, right? You go to the grocery store, start making some food. Start grabbing some food and walk out. Hey, you, you're stealing. You can't have that. Ah, I'm hungry. I don't have any money. This is a basic need. This is not stealing what's going to happen is going to be pen. It's going to be chaos if they pass this. So if you, again, if you live in the city of Seattle, you need to go to your council meetings. You need to go thwart this, fight this. I mean, the law of unintended consequences that are going to come out of this are going to be enormous in the city of Seattle. It, it almost to the point where it may be an unlivable city. And I, the progressive cities like Seattle and San Francisco, what you're doing to your cities is just, uh, it, it breaks my heart. I used to live in Seattle. I used to live in the Bay Area around San Francisco. Didn't live in the city, but lived around the city. Uh, originally from uh, Orange County, around where Los Angeles is. And, all, uh, you know, all of these beautiful areas have been taken a hit from the left because the left have these ideals, these, these, these unicorn uh, ideals, these utopian ideals that just defy human nature people like discipline children like discipline you take discipline away 
you're going to have chaos and that's what they're going to have in the city of Seattle if this passes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL podcast, politics and Brown liquor. Again, please do like follow share, give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our social media channels. Uh, really need you to subscribe for our YouTube channel. You can find us at politics and Brown liquor. It's also in my links on my website, the PBL podcast. And I need you, if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes to Give us a follow, give us a follow and a subscribe, subscription, and give us a five-star rating. It helps move us up in the algorithms to keep the show going. Again, each week we keep increasing the numbers, but we can't do it without your help. So if you're finding us for the first time, please like, follow, subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating. BBO Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor.